Welcome to Holistic Trauma Healing, a podcast that empowers you to heal trauma in the same way it has affected you as a whole person. I am Lindsay Lockett, your host. I have discovered a profound path to healing trauma that allows us to move out of the role of victim and into the role of empowered and conscious creator of our best possible reality. I offer hope, healing insights, and practical tips as you get to the root of how trauma has affected every part of your existence and how to weave a new web of life that isn't ruled by the past. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I'm so grateful that you are joining me today, wherever you are joining me from. I have a very, very special episode in store for you today. I am welcoming back my dear friend and colleague and someone who I have learned a tremendous amount from, both personally, relationally, spiritually, and in business, my very dear friend, Kat Lee. Um, We are going to be talking about business as a spiritual practice, ethical marketing, and developing a reciprocal relationship with your business. So if you are an entrepreneur, a wannabe entrepreneur, someone who is thinking about starting a business, pivoting in your business, or you've had a business for a really long time, but something about it doesn't feel quite aligned, it's not lighting you up anymore, you want to change some of your ethical practices around marketing or working with clients or whoever it is that you're serving, this is the episode for you. And I want you to listen all the way to the end of the episode if I could encourage you to really 100% listen to this one because Kat has her program, Business Alchemist Mentorship, open until the end of October 2023. This is a nine-month mentoring program that's complete with video recorded lessons, 16 group calls, one-on-one call with Kat to discover the Tao of your life and how you can incorporate that into your business. So much juicy stuff is in this program. It's nine months long. It is jam-packed. I am one of the guest teachers in her uh, Business Alchemist Mentorship. So um, that right there should tell you that it's awesome. (laughs) Um, Not kidding. But yeah, you're going to want to listen to all the way to the end of this episode because this is such a great episode for anyone who has been in business, whether you're just dipping your toe in the water of business or you've been in business for yourself for a really long time and you're looking to change. I know for me personally, my business is a spiritual practice. I didn't wake up one day and decide, oh, you know what? I want to make my business a spiritual practice. Um, Kat even questions my use of the word want there later in this episode. It just is. Um, I don't know any other way to do it. I don't know any other way to approach my business except as an entity that I have a relationship with. And I have a give and take relationship with the entity that is my business. I believe that it has its own consciousness and it is alive, it is evolving, it is changing. And I am in relationship with this entity. And that relationship needs to be reciprocal, meaning I'm not burning myself out by giving so much to the business that I can't ever step away or take a break or calm down, go through a season of rest. Um, and it's reciprocal and that my business nourishes me and I nourish my business in return. Still developing this relationship because my business is now almost three years old. So it's technically a toddler. (laughs) Toddlers don't need quite as much attention as an infant, but they still do need lots of supervision and attention and attunement. And so I am definitely in the toddler stages of my business and having a lot of fun with it. Um, so I do want to encourage you to listen to this whole episode and 
I know you're going to feel pinged and lit up and you're going to resonate with what Kat and I are talking about in this episode. And if you do, please go check out BAM, Business Alchemist Membership. I will link it in the show notes below. Please enjoy this episode. Kat, welcome back to the show. I don't even know how many episodes you've been on at this point, but you are like by far my most repeated guest. So I'm grateful to have you back. Thanks for being here. Oh my God. I'm so excited to be here. I know that you've taken a little bit of a break from, you know, putting out regular episodes and glad that, that you asked me on to, to hang out with you. Well, this is a fuck yes for me. So (laughs) I don't mind interrupting the break for a fuck yes. Um, so what I would love to talk with you about today is business as a spiritual practice and having a conscious ethical business where you're basically in relationship with your business. So this episode is going to be really helpful for entrepreneurs, whether you have an online business or a brick and mortar business, any kind of business that you have, and you want your business to be a spiritual practice. You want to have a relationship with the entity that is your business You don't want to use pain point marketing and like snivy conniving marketing practices that feel icky to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, and you really just want to do it ethically and in a way that feels aligned for you and not necessarily what works for everybody else. So, um, I know that you have had several businesses before you've landed on the, the business you're currently at. So would you mind telling us about your, I don't know, do you consider them like failures or do you just consider them pivots or like, yeah, (laughs) what were those? I definitely, I definitely don't consider them failures because when I look back on all the businesses that I've had, yes, they are no longer technically alive, but there's still composted bits of them in my current business. Um, and to me, when I think about business being a spiritual practice and it was interesting to hear you sort of like say all that out loud, because a lot of the things that you just shared are like the things that like my current business stands on and to hear want and spirit, like business as a spiritual practice in the same sentence was like an interesting experience. Cause it's like, like, you want to have your business as a spiritual practice. It's like, I don't know how else to exist than to have my business as a spiritual practice because everything that brings up a challenge is a spiritual practice if you choose to see it that way. And like, there are so many fucking challenges that come up in business. And if you can take on this view of it being good and beneficial for your spirit and for the spirit of the collective, then I don't know. I think we need more humans out there doing business in this way personally. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we do. So so, what were the businesses that you had before what you're doing now? Yeah. So in, oh gosh, I'm going to forget the, the, the dates, but, um, my first business that I started on my own was a calligraphy business um, that I started when I was in grad school. So that would have been back in 2007, eight-ish. And um, it it was a beautiful business. 
it got me through grad school. Um, I started out grad school with like three part-time jobs and I was like, this is not sustainable. So I dropped all my part-time jobs and was like, I can sort of write really well. And people started paying me um, for doing calligraphy for like wedding envelopes and like designing wedding invitations and things like that. Um, and then my next business was my acupuncture practice. When I graduated from grad school, I started that up in 2011. Um, and then that lasted about five or six years. And I sold that practice, moved back, um, moved up to Vancouver, British Columbia, because I was tired of running businesses, joined um, a really busy fertility uh, practice um, and was practicing acupuncture found that I didn't love the way that they they run their business. And when 2020 hit, I decided to get into coaching. And so I started out relationship coaching and now I do business coaching. So like there's been a lot of iterations of running businesses and running away from the businesses that I've created. And, you know, I still look back at you know, think about the the different versions of myself during all those times and the calligraphy business, for example, like, oh my gosh, the people pleaser in me was wanting to make everything so right for, for someone's wedding. You know, that's kind of a big deal. Staying up crazy late, like finishing out projects um, while I was going to school and just like... I've basically made every single mistake in the book when it comes to running a business. And so the way that I teach business now and entrepreneurship now is because this is the kind of coaching that I wish I had had back in 2007, 2008, when I first started running businesses, I wish that somebody had been there to hold space for me, to help me understand why is this people pleaser coming up? Why is this procrastination coming up? you know, and help me really get down to the depths of nervous system regulation and the decisions that we make when we're like in dysregulation versus when we're in regulation, you know, feeling into the ethics and being like, oh, does that feel good or bad in your body? You know, and you get to make a choice about how you market, for example, based on what feels good and bad in your body. And, you know, every single sort of like step along the way, it's like, I, I wish I had had a mentor who could have like held space in that way. And so that's why I, I coach the way that I coach now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a long winded so, explanation of, no, of that was my history. Of business. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was perfect. Um, you came on the podcast many episodes ago, episode 68, and we talked about Dow. And I know Tao is something that's very important to you personally and spiritually with your heritage as a Korean woman. Um, can you tell us, remind us again, what Tao is and how yeah. you're weaving that into business now? Yeah. So Tao, I identify as a Taoist. Um, and to me, that's just simply the fact that I love nature and I look at cycles within nature and I'm like, okay, so if that is a natural cycle that we see outside of our window, how is that 
showing up in alignment or not alignment in my life, in my body. And so like, it's just this relationship with nature that sort of like threads its way through everything that I, I try to do. Being a human in modern world makes it hard, but you know, we try our best. Um, the translation for Tao is way or path or purpose is kind of the closest way that we can sort of explain it. And the, the way I think about the Tao is that each one of us has a little soul coming onto this planet at whatever time you come into this planet at has this like compass of like, okay, I'm supposed to figure this out in my lifetime. And because we're humans, we live in society, we live in families, we live in culture, we have these conditions and narratives that get put on us. And it it gets harder and harder to remember what that purpose, that compass was that we first came into life with. And so this path of the Tao is really just this path of remembering who you were at the very beginning, who you always were. Um, it's this like reclamation of your sense of like purpose. And by purpose, I don't mean like this is the job that you are meant to do because that's a very sort of capitalistic way of looking at purpose, but it's like, okay, so what are you supposed to embody in this lifetime? And um, all of my clients, whether they're one-on-one -on -one or in BAM, I take them through a personalized like one-on-one -on -one meditation. And at the end of that meditation, you are left with a singular word that is your Tao. And that ends up being the compass of, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a business coach, so I can say it's for your business, but it's really for your life. So for example, my Tao is surrender and my not Tao is control. And I have lived so much of my life. I think this is what we talked about on the podcast last time. Like you and I have both lived so much of our lives in needing to control ourselves, needing to control others, needing to control circumstances, because that's the thing that made us feel safe. Yeah. And, you know, the more and more I live my life, the more and more I run my business, if I can step into surrender, which to me is the embodiment of so many other words, like curiosity and connection and just like I have like an entire sort of like word bank like when I think about surrender that if I can align with that energy and what that feels like in my body it, it almost turns on this like co-creative spark with the universe with spirit with the spirit of my own business and it allows for life to unfold in a really like more easeful but also because my not Tao is control, like it's still difficult for me. Like choosing your Tao is, is often a really difficult path. Mm. Um, so I think about my business's mission statement to be surrender. <laughs> That's so interesting. As you were describing all of that and you were talking about the meditation that you do with your clients and the one word I just was sort of like feeling within myself. I wonder what my one word would be. And before you we said, the meditation. 
before you said surrender, I was like, I know mine is surrender. <laughs> like, mm, it's so I know funny. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, I always, I've never had anyone come in with this, like, I know my word is this and then leave with that word. I've never had mm, that happen. Ooh, okay. Now and I so, really want to do it to see yeah. for sure. We should, because, we should do the meditation. Yeah. I, that's a fuck yes for me, dude. Um, yeah, I, I just, the, I don't know that much about numerology, but I know in numerology, different numbers have different meanings and different life paths. And like my birthday numerology and my full name numerology are both nine. And mm-hmm. what I understand of numerology, the number nine is about surrender and letting go. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, even based on numerology, I came to this life to like figure out how to surrender and stop controlling. Yeah. Um, I would still be interested in doing the meditation. I would still be interested in finding another word and also learning to surrender. <laughs> um, but one of the things that you and I resonate with a lot is that I see my business is not like this thing that I control and I'm the one calling all the shots and I'm the one making the decisions and I'm the one coming up with all the ideas. And like, I see my business as an, another entity Um, it is, it is a being just as much as I am a being, and I am Mm -hmm. in a relationship with this being that is my business. And Mm -hmm. I go through seasons with this being where sometimes we're like really close and I'm getting a lot from my business, lots of downloads, lots of ideas, lots of creativity. And then we have other periods where my business seems like we're not quite so close and it seems a little bit farther away. And it seems like the creativity hose has gotten turned off or kinked. Um, I go through periods in my business where there's like this flow of money and ideas and creativity and all of that. And then likewise, there's the flip side of the not flow and the not money and like, Mm wondering, oh my God. And, you know, for a lot of people, especially if you haven't ever been an entrepreneur before, or especially if you haven't ever had an online business, it's like, they need that predictable monthly amount to feel safe financially. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, let's say I need to make $10,000 a month to cover my bills, put money in savings, maintain my lifestyle and feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then whenever you go through a month or two or three months where you don't make that $10,000 in a month, I've personally experienced the like doubt in myself, the doubt in my business, like, Oh, what if I'm doing the wrong thing using air quotes there? Um, what if I'm out of alignment again, using air quotes. So I've never been in your program, business alchemist membership, but I'm guessing that you talk about all of these things in there. Can you elaborate more on just cultivating that relationship with your business and how business as a spiritual practice doesn't necessarily mean that the money is always coming in exactly the amount that you need every single month or the creativity and the ideas are coming in as you need them, like that it really is this ebb and flow. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, of course. Well, I think even just the like foundational observation of like business being cyclical like you were saying sometimes it's you're coming in with ideas and money and sometimes it's not like we have to start 
thinking of our businesses, especially if you have an online sort of like most of my people are like online coaches of some sort. Um, that predictability, especially in the beginning, is not always going to be there for folks. And so it's going to be a different, completely different sort of like lifestyle than like if you, you know, had a corporate gig and there was a consistent income coming in. And so that in and of itself is a spiritual practice is can you be with the expansiveness of business and also be with the contractions of business? And again, sort of like when we look at the seasonality outside our window, it's not always spring. It's not always late summer. And so like spring, I associate with like growth and expansion and like, you know, sort of this burst of of energy and things happening and I think about late summer as being the season of like harvest and I think the way that modern business culture is set up right now is like we're expected to always be in spring and late summer like Mm -hmm. always be shifting between spring and late summer spring and late summer and the reality is that so many of us need to go through moments of contraction. I talked about this recently on my own podcast where I discussed um, the contraction of like last year when like money just stopped flowing in for whatever reason. I don't know what was was happening. I still honestly don't know. Um, And then like earlier this year in the summertime, my creativity just like shut off. And so it was like my business asking me to take like a real deep pause, the kind of pause that you would take in wintertime and like reassess and look at the foundations of what it is that we stand for and take your time doing that. Um, I will say that I had a lot of support during that time. And so, you know, while we weren't making the kind of money that, you know, we were used to making like all through last year, um, there was still like pretty consistent money coming in. It just wasn't like it was kind of at a stagnant sort of standstill. Um, And then my husband has a like a muggle job as a bus driver and so like we knew that there was consistent money coming into our household and so like like there was a like a safety net I feel like that's really important to sort of name that not everybody has a safety net and when we look at these contractions as opportunities to compost and like distill and clarify I find that that next spring that comes up is a more aligned spring, your messaging is more clear, you're able to actually state what you're standing on in terms of your business, instead of being all like all over the place. Um, I tend to be a bit woody in nature is is kind of how I characterize it in, in my Taoist world. And that means that I have to have pruning shears all the time. Otherwise, I can get really viney and all over the place with my messaging and so to me having that like stillness of autumn and winter is what helps me come out with like a more clarified message for my people um and to be of service to my people um is I need to always have pruning shears (laughs) so does that answer your question Yeah, yeah I think so what I mean if you're woody and you need pruning shears 
what is the equivalent of that for like being watery? Cause I feel like I'm very watery. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm a Pisces rising. So like, what mm-hmm. would be the, the like watery equivalent of crooning shares? Yeah. So if you think about water as an element, like what, like, how would you characterize yourself? Like, are you like the water that kind of spreads all over the place? Are you like a little ice cube? Are you like the stillness of a lake? Like, are you I the feel raging like, river? I feel like all of the above. Uh-huh. Um, not an, I don't really feel like ice cube so much, but when I think of myself as like a watery person, I think of like, um, when my emotions are, are going, they're like a hurricane almost, mm-hmm. um, or like a really rough choppy sea. Sometimes when I mm-hmm. see myself as like a watery person, I don't see the water that's contained. Like it's not in a bowl mm-hmm. or a cup or, um, it's like big. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We've talked about my bigness a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like you've just like intuitively named it, right? Is like there's not a containment to it. And when we look at nature, water is supported and contained by earth. Mm. And you know, that can be finding people who are around you. I would say that your husband is very earthy. He's a Capricorn rising, which is a sign. So yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so like his role and his way of like sort of fulfilling his sense of purpose is to like help contain, is to hold, is to be a nurturing sort of force. Um, I would also say like bringing in sort of earthy practices for yourself um, so that there is some containment around the emotions, not saying that the emotions are bad, of course, but saying that like sometimes we need a safe place for those emotions to land. And so the like sort of nature analogy that I like to, to use is like we need banks along the river to help the river find its way, you know? And so the banks are our earth element. I would also say that what's important in that in that picture is wood element as well, because the roots hold the bank in place, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so you really, really need like wood element is represented by vision. It's represented by like boundaries. It's represented by the flexibility of like a tree trunk being able to like move and shift with the winds. And so like there's an element of what you're needing where I need a little bit of the like sharpness and like cutting energy, what you're needing is softness and flexibility Mm -hmm. and boundaries and strength. Right. Mm -hmm. Totally. And so being able to like really navigate and understand yourself helps your business. Like, I, I just love this, but like one of my, um, my clients in BAM on our very last call that he was going to be on, as we go through as a cohort and so like there's 16 group group sessions that we go through on the very last call he was like bam helps you get closer to who you are so that you can develop the like unique business that is is so you you know something along those lines I think I'm butchering the quote a little bit but you know I don't have this like idea with any of my students like oh this is what you're supposed to look like at the end of our program together Mm -hmm. you know it's a journey and quite honestly I think it is a longer journey than I think people are giving ourselves permission to do um I feel like 
when you, I mean, you're a homesteader. I'm a wannabe homesteader. I'm just on a search for land right now. Um, but like when you are looking at a long-term project and like a long-term relationship with land, like it's on a scale of like years and decades. Yeah. You know, there's very and, little immediate gratification. Yeah. And to me, I, I look at the online coaching world and instead of supporting the like serotonin boost of like hard work with like really beautiful payoffs over time and like looking at like good striving, like good striving, like brings up serotonin. Mm-hmm. And instead, we're sort of led to believe that we are meant to follow those dopamine hits of the six-figure business yeah. in 12 weeks or the 10K month, or like now it's even beyond, like, I don't know what's happening in my algorithm, but like, I keep getting these ads for like a 30K month, you know, learn how to get a 30K month in X amount of time. And it's like the dopamine hits that you constantly get the expectation that your business is supposed to look a certain way yeah um is just I mean it's so toxic it's so toxic yeah let's let's talk about that for a second because I know that probably everyone listening to this podcast most of them probably have an Instagram account or a Facebook account and get ads all the time about how to have a 10 K month or how to get a hundred thousand followers in 30 days. Or like, it's these big promises, big numbers, big growth. And this has always rubbed me the wrong way. I won't lie and be like, Oh, I've never thought that that would be cool. Like, sure. A 30 K month would be awesome. I've had a 30 K month once, <laughs> right? I don't have a 30 K month every month. Um, mm-hmm. but like even my own Instagram account, like it goes through spurts of like big growth and then crickets for months sometimes. And I feel like these entrepreneurs that are trying to coach other people into these big dopamine hits, like you're talking about what it's not factoring in is the fact that sure. You might be able to hit that goal maybe once, but it takes longer than six weeks to expand a nervous system's capacity to hold success like that. Yes. Like it takes longer than 30 days to expand a nervous system capacity to hold a huge influx of followers all at once. I just recently experienced that myself. Like I was not in favor with the algorithm on Instagram for months. My account was pretty stagnant. It was not growing at all. I posted a couple of reels that ended up being on the Explorer page. So they were getting shown to lots of people. My account started exploding and I got like 10,000 followers in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And did that feel good? Of course it did. Of course it felt good. But at the same time, like the influx of new followers also means the influx of new people who've never been in my space before. And they come into my space and they have their own projections, assumptions, triggers, stories, trauma, history, nervous system state. Like they have their, their own. Whereas the people that have been around me for a while, like I I don't get that as much as I do with new people. 
And so I even went through like some contraction in myself of getting inundated with all these new followers, which on the surface is like, oh, that's great. I'm doing something right. Keep doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I also had to deal with the contraction of their projections and assumptions, like people telling me that because I find comfort from food, that I have a binge eating disorder or because I smoke weed sometimes that I have a substance abuse problem. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's like, actually I don't, but you're coming into my space with your projections and assumptions and your own triggers and trauma and story and all of that. And, and then that leaks on to me and whether I block you or I delete your comment or I choose to respond, like, however I deal with it, it still requires an ener- an emotional label or an, uh, excuse me, labor or an energetic labor on like my part to Absolutely. withstand that. Um, you know, same thing with like, you know, when I had a 30 K month, like this was last December, um, I had a 30 K month in December of 2022. And like, that was awesome. The expansion was great. It was like, Oh, this feels good. It's like being high on a drug that feels really, mm-hmm. really amazing. But then when January, February, March came around and they weren't 30 K months, I found myself like longing for the dopamine hit and the, like, why can't I be like that all the time? And so I just needed to name that these influencers or marketers or coaches or whoever that's promising these big, fast results in a very short period of time, I don't feel like they're taking into consideration at all the nervous system capacity that's required to hold and maintain that level of air quote success. Would you speak to that? Yeah. I mean, I think that a really important question to be asking through all this is like, when is enough enough? Like when does satiation happen? Um, Because there's always going to be other people to compare yourself to other incomes to compare yourself to it's like this like hungry monster of capitalism that just wants to eat and eat and eat and produce and produce and produce for the sake of producing Mm -hmm. and so like I've had a very similar experience of like I went I've been through a lot of those programs that I see out there because being young in the you know sort of coaching space I was like oh this is this is what people do, you know? And, um, and I remember one program in particular was one of those like, you know, 10 K in 12 weeks sort of programs. And I hit that 10 K month in that program. It was the first time I had 10 K in my adult life ever. And, um, everyone was like, Oh my gosh, like you're doing so great. Like we go through it in a cohort. And so like, like all of my like teammates were like, you know, so excited for me. And I'm sitting here being like, what, like there's, there's something wrong with me. I'm so dysregulated about this. Mm. And it brought up all these stories about, am I allowed to have this? Am I deserving of this? I grew up with stories around, you know, like women and money. Um, I was told by my father that like, you know, it's, it, you should basically have a career as a hobby and not as you know, something that you need to rely on, you need to rely on your husband. Um, and, and so I'm like, I am totally out of, like, just sync with what every story about money has, has ever been told to me. And there was no one to like, actually help me move through that. And in fact, it made it worse being in a group that was like, man, I wish I could do the thing that you just did, you know, 
Um, and I was so dysregulated. If you ask me what I did with that money, I have no fucking idea. It was gone in like two or three weeks. I just mm-hmm. spent it because it was too scary for me to hold on to. Yeah. And so I think that this is where we need to like look at nervous system states and look at body and biology and how it relates to our bodies. Because if you are not regulated about the money that's coming in, if you're not regulated about the marketing that you're putting out, if you're not regulated about the space holding that you do, if you're not regulated about, you know, the, even the work that you're you're putting out, then that is going to create a chain reaction of actions that are done out of scarcity and done out of a need to find safety in the face of threat, even if the threat doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense that 10K month was a threat to me. Yeah. But, you know, like I sort of had to like hunker down and work through that by myself. Like I felt even ashamed to talk about it with my partner and be like hey like like he was one of the voices that was like that's so amazing babe you know and makes sense right (laughs) um but you know I think that we we need to mm, slow down and actually ask ourselves like what is the vision that we have for our business and is that vision actually what you want or is that tainted by what other people slash instagram slash dopamine slash you know your family is wanting for you or is that something that you actually want for yourself yeah and then deciding and discerning what it is that you want for yourself and taking aligned action toward that intention Mm-hmm. like I think that this is this is why we're always gonna like return back to this phrase of business being a spiritual practice is like think about all the like layers that you have to shed to just do that yeah. just in air quotes right Is <laughs> like the layers of people pleasing the layers of perfectionism the layers of you know just how your nervous system relates to um scary things like like each one of those layers is there's an entire story sometimes rooted in trauma um, behind that. Yeah. For me, the the month that I had the 30K month, the, the contraction for me afterwards was like, it was like, okay, I hit this, this milestone, this imaginary milestone. And then it was immediately like, I, I felt like I couldn't even fully enjoy like oh my gosh, I'm patting myself on the back. Like, fuck yeah, I did this. Like, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even enjoy that before the anxiety took over in, Mm -hmm. in that part of me. And it was like, shit, how am I going to sustain this? It was like this immediate pressure that, okay, now you've done it. Anything less is unacceptable. Right. Right. That was hard. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the the voice of capitalism is like, you have to always be hitting your next quarter needs to be bigger than your last quarter, which has to be bigger than the quarter after, you know, it's, it's this like concept of unsustainable growth for the sake of growth, instead of like looking at your relationship to your business as like layer after layer after layer of trust that's built in. Yeah. You know, 
And I think about this in terms of, um, I, I work with horses a lot. Um, and I've just adopted two six month old, um, baby colts and I'm looking at them and they are so different in personality. Like one is just like a little spitfire and the other one is like this like calm, steady, like super chill dude. And I am not going to be able to ride them until they're three, mm-hmm. right? And and yet like that like big monumental moment of writing them is going to be built on three years of us building a relationship of us like you know helping build up their muscle to be able to hold a rider of you know me working on their hooves and making sure their hooves are strong like there's so much foundational work that is going to be put into to these two horses before I ever step on their back And to me, I think that people don't value those pieces Mm -hmm. and that foundational work, whether it's in training horses or in like, like working with your business. And they just want to get to the point that they're like riding the fucking horse. Yeah. Right. And they're competing. And why can't I just do that right now? Yeah. And, you know, I think that you probably think of this in terms of your land is like, you know, there's a... And every homesteader I talk to, there's a one-year plan, there's a two-year plan, there's a three-year plan, there's a five-year plan, there's a 10-year plan, and a 15-year plan. Yep. We literally just have a list. It's all on a piece of paper, like actual handwritten list. And it's so messy at this point, but we just keep it because it's like we sat down one day and we brainstormed like everything that we wanted to do Mm -hmm. as a project. And then of course, as we've gotten those things done, we've crossed them off the list, but it feels like every time we cross one thing off the list, we have to add three more things yeah. to the list. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this constant, like, okay, that's done. But now here's three more things that we need. Yeah. Okay. Here, two things are done. Now here's six more things that we need to do. And one of the things that we're doing right now is, uh, we had two trees, two big trees blow over, uh, this past winter. One of them blew over onto our sauna and did some damage that we still have to fix. We have to get it fixed before winter, but we have really bad spruce budworm where I live and like Mm. millions of trees are either dying or dead because of Mm. this infestation of this pest. And so our land has not been immune to that, obviously. And so we had two big trees fall over earlier this year. And then, uh, tomorrow, actually we have an arborist coming out to cut down two other trees that are standing around the sauna. And one of them is leaning pretty significantly and like another big windstorm and it's going to fall over on the sauna. Mm-hmm. And so we're thinking about like, okay, that's four trees that are gone. It's significantly starting to change the landscape of our property in a way that we don't like. Mm-hmm. So like, what are we going to do? And so we've talked about like, what are some types of trees that we could replant in their places Spruce is obviously not an option because it's going to be too susceptible to the budworm. So we got some white pines, um, and we haven't planted them yet. We will plant them, but then it just occurred to us just this last week that tamarack trees actually grow faster than white pines do. And so if we were to plant tamaracks in the place of those spruce trees, they would grow faster and create the shade and the privacy and the landscaping and everything that we want them. And they're not susceptible to spruce bedworm. 
they like they aren't susceptible to blowing over the way that big pine trees are like it's just a whole different thing and so there's all these little things that you have to think about in your long-term plan and then as you're going along then you realize oh wait that was a good idea but here's a better idea so like I have to pivot and I have to do this better idea and the truth of all of that is is that by the time I die like I may not see those trees ever get to their full height like I'm planting them for the next generation to hopefully continue taking care of this land. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the importance of slowing down is that you get to see those points at which you can be flexible. And, you know, I think that that beautiful analogy of like pivoting to a different kind of tree can apply to, you know, businesses. You know, I have a lot of folks who come in and they don't, they're like, oh, I really want to help people. And I have all these modalities, but I don't really know, you know, like who I want to help or like what problems I want to help support. And it's like, if you just pick a niche and just run with it, you're going to do all this work around that niche. And if you didn't do the like slow contemplation of like how aligned do you feel to that niche before you do that, it's just going to feel wrong in your body and you're going to have to pivot like down the line. And so to me, it's like, yeah, I know that I ask my clients to slow down a lot, but it's the kind of slowdown where you're being efficient with your time and your energy instead of wasting it. You know, I had a client who, came into this last round of BAM and she was told by multiple people, you know, like you need to be marketing to wealthy women who are making like, like we basically just like break these people down into demographics instead of like asking what kind of human they are, you know, wealthy women who are struggling with their businesses and, you know, you've got a therapist license. And so, you know, you're just going to be able to like knock this niche out of the park. And she like tried it even though it didn't feel right in her body. And like, she's been with me now in BAM for I think three or four months. We still haven't figured out her niche, but we know it's not her niche. It's not like wealthy women who are trying to build businesses. It is something that is going to be more closely aligned to her heart. And she's starting to distill it down and starting to be more clear about that. But I love this phase where we're really asking these hard, hard questions so that the foundational roots and the structure of what you're building is solid and strong. And that way, when you do make a pivot, then it's not this like, oh my gosh, I have to like throw everything out and start all over from scratch. It's like, okay, so you can make a slight pivot, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm, So, yeah. 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 So we've talked about some of the like, unhealthy, unethical ways that people try to sell us these ideas of like make 10 K in six weeks or a hundred thousand followers in a month or like whatever. And that's, that is marketing to us. Like they're, they're marketing a product or a course or a service to us. Um, because the end goal is this dopamine hit of lots of money or lots of followers or lots of exposure or whatever. I would like to kind of go back to talking about the marketing side of things mm-hmm. and talk about ethical versus unethical marketing and some of the things that you've seen as as feeling 
unethical or like feeling icky in your body. Because I think we also have to hold space that like what's ethical for some is not unethical or is unethical for others and vice versa. So like the complexity of you are a unique individual and you are allowed to have your own feelings about things. Um, so yeah, let's just, let's talk some about some of the unethical marketing that you see, um, or that you've done yourself even, um, witnessed your students doing and like how you teach them to find the type of marketing that feels good in their bodies. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there that it's got to feel good in your body. Right. And so like also knowing that capacity and nervous system grows with time with sitting in that nervous setting space of having disconfirming experiences like these are all things that grow your nervous system's capacity and so what feels okay for you now you know may rather what doesn't feel okay for you now may feel okay for you later on down the line Mm -hmm. so like I remember the very first time I put out an Instagram video like I mean, the fear of being seen as imperfect just like overtook me. It took me, I think, four hours to film a single like two minute video that I put out on Instagram. Been there, and, done that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And so like that was the capacity of my nervous system at that time. Now I just I don't care what I look like. I don't care, you know, like how long my video is it's just like me chatting with my my people because I just trust that my people are out there now yeah um so I feel like that's important to name is like capacity grows over time capacity grows with intention capacity grows with disconfirming experiences and by disconfirming experiences it's like putting out the thing and realizing that like you don't die when you put out the thing Mm -hmm. um and so stretching slowly over time is something that I really stress when it comes to marketing um when it comes to ethical versus unethical it always comes back to relationships for me is like I, I call my, my uh, workshop conscious marketing, but I really wish that I could go back and like rename it to like relational marketing because when we are in correct relationship with folks, it's like this beautiful dance between yin and yang is how I think of it, is you're setting out an intention, which is yin energy, and you're creating aligned action with that intention, which is yang energy. And, you know, And I think it's helpful to think of it in those ways because then we can sort of see how they get mutated because something that I see a lot is, you know, you just have to post really consistently on Instagram. It doesn't really matter what it is that you're saying. You just have to post consistently because then the algorithm is going to pick that up and and people are going to find you. That is a mutation of yang energy. Like there's no intentionality behind your message and what it is that you want to speak to and how it is that you want to share pieces of your life a lot of times um folks who are in the online coaching space like we're sharing really vulnerable parts of our lives so like if there's not a clear intention behind it you are just turning it into noise yeah that's a mutation of young you know and um another way that we can sort of see that mutation is when you are just doing that market research to find those pain points so that you can find a way to like 
slam a knife in that pain point and twist and then tell them like, I'm going to save you from that pain. Mm. And, you know, we can colloquially call that like bro marketing, but I see that again as like a mutation of yang energy. I'm going to control your experience in such a way that you are losing your own sense of sovereignty. So then we're taking away their yin, the clients or the potential clients yin Mm -hmm. and um, taking away their intentionality. And we are inserting ourselves in that vacant space instead of allowing for that space to be and develop over time. And so the way that like the pain point marketing is taught, like, the intention of that kind of marketing is so that people will sign up with you as quickly as possible. Right. And that means that they may not be ready for whatever it is that you're doing with them instead of allowing for them to come to you and, you know, find alignment through your messaging and find alignment through resonance and through, you know, relationship, you know, you're coming in with this kind of like more pushy type energy. Mm -hmm. The, And so those are like just sort of like two examples of like mutations of yang energy. When we look at the other side, the mutation of yin energy, um, and this is sort of where I get stuck, is oftentimes like there's too much intentionality and like there's so many things that I want to do. And then I get stuck in the like, I don't know what actions I'm supposed to take now, (laughs) you know? And so like, like having that that clear space to do that like foundational work that we were we were talking about to like make sure that like you're really clear in how you're showing up like um so that people feel like they can come into your space and they see that you're taking care of them like that's mm-hmm. a piece that I think is really important is that you know I I have a personal account as well because I need to keep those two parts of my life separate because when I'm on my business account, that is a place where I am holding space for people. It cannot be the other way around. And, and so when I'm holding that intention of holding space, then aligned action becomes a lot more clear, mm. you know, um, trying to think of how another way that yin energy gets mutated. Cause I want to do like two and two, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, we can sort of go into like martyr mode. Like I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of my clients who like really want to serve and make their work really accessible and make sure that they're providing care for everybody. And yet they're not making it enough to feel like safe in their own life, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, a lot of people I've had several people in the last month being like oh my god I'm so glad that you have like a sliding scale for BAM um because you know I want to be able to provide that for my people too but I'll say that that sliding scale is really intentional because I now make enough I now know that I've got enough money in the bank so that if somebody takes advantage of that sliding scale I'm not left feeling resentful that they took advantage of that sliding scale you know And so I think that a lot of times people go into this like martyr sort of mode, especially when we're we're talking about like people provide service because, you know, culturally we have a tendency to like validate service and we validate like, like over giving. And so we've, a lot of us, particularly women who have, 
you know, grown up in this world, like we get something out of that. Even if it's just praise. Yeah, exactly. That's a lot for, for people. Yeah. You know, I think about my grandmother and she's like, like her entire life is driven by like looking for praise. And so like, like we don't discount the fact that like crave is praise is a like really high motivator, you know? And so, you know, can we, instead of like, like trying to build our businesses on the back of a martyr, like how can we work with that martyr archetype and understand it more and really get down to the core of why it's there and how it has helped you survive so that then you can feel fed and then eventually down the line you can help like and make your work a lot more accessible to people mm-hmm. you know i've been very very intentional about how i price things because you know i didn't always live with my husband and i didn't always like have you know a a partner who could just sort of like come in and and make sure that like our basic bills were going to be um covered And so to me, it's been like this really important dance to play to make sure that like all my needs are being met before I provide, you know, accessibility to somebody else. Yeah. Let's, can we go back to you saying that you separate your business and personal accounts because you don't want people holding space for you in your business Mm -hmm. account because you want to hold space for them. Can you just clarify for me, like, what does that mean for you in terms of like, do you feel responsible to, um, to hold space for people who you're not in a relationship with? Like, like I don't consider my followers to be people I have relationships with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if you just clarify. Yeah. So this is something that I'm actually actively working through and I was thinking about calling you and asking you about it. Um, oh, of course you can. <laughs> you can ask me now if you want. Yeah. Well, you have a much bigger audience than I do, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to like get into that realm where I no longer feel like I have like a direct relationship with, with my people. Yeah. Um, That, that is a, I think a natural transition that happens. And so where I have always considered my Instagram, you know, people to be my community, it's now starting to shift a little bit for me. Um, I'm right around like 3,800 followers. And so I'm like realistically looking at it and being like, I don't know 3,800 people in my life, in my like actual real life. So there's not like a sense of reciprocity, right? And so what I mean by I hold space for people is that my business Instagram account is my storefront. Mm -hmm. And I am very authentic. I am very vulnerable. I am you know, it's important to me that I am true to who I am when I show up on that account. But if I'm in dysregulation about something, then I turn to you, yeah, my best friends. Like, yeah. like I have a close circle of three best friends and my husband. I ask for the people that I'm in active reciprocal relationship with to hold space for me. Yeah. You know, and so like to me there I'm I'm starting to feel that shift and again it's like it's so interesting right because business as a spiritual practice is showing me here like the thing that you thought your your people were is not actually that thing I up until now I've always considered my Instagram followers to be my community because there's been a lot of like 
back and forth, lots of really important discussions that we've been having in the DMs and like that is all true. But there's always a point at which, especially in DMs, where I start to feel that discomfort of like, oh, they're asking me for coaching. And then that's when I'll invite them to like, be like, hey, like this is actually something that I provide for my clients, not for my Instagram audience. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's what I mean by holding space is like, I don't want to come in with an energy of like, please take care of me because this is actually my business, you know? Um, I might be a little controversial in saying this, but, um, there's this tea shop in Santa Cruz and, um, you know, so many things happened over 2020 and beyond. Um, but, you know, once things started opening back up again, I saw in, my network of Santa Cruz people, like there was like a GoFundMe being started for this tea shop. And like that rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know how you feel about this, but it's like, you are a business. Make different pivots in your business to keep that business sustainable. Don't ask for donations from your customers to keep your business alive. And so like, that's the energy that I think of is like, I don't like going on to someone that I'm thinking about as a potential coach and feeling the energy within myself, feeling that feeling within myself of like, oh, I wanna take care of this person. Mm. What I wanna feel is this person can hold me and take care of me. Yeah, that's a really interesting, um, I agree with you about the tea shop, by the way. Um, like if my business were to start going belly up, I would not start a GoFundMe and be like, help Lindsay Lockett, keep her business alive. You know, yeah. like, no, it's my responsibility to like figure yeah, out what I need to call. do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a call to like do your own work. Right. Your business right. And, like ask, what do we need to do? Right. Um, you have seen that I, something I feel like I have done really well. Um, and it's taken, of course, years of practice and regulation and curiosity to get to this point. Like two years ago, I would not have been able to do this is like, if I am in a moment of dysregulation or if I'm processing a feeling or feeling a big feeling or something, and it feels right for me, like it feels intentional, as you were saying, I've gotten to the point where I can turn on the camera and like that can be going and I can still be in my process and it's not a distraction. Uh, it's not keeping me from doing my work. And so like, I will intentionally and strategically use that as like a teaching moment to show Mm -hmm. people like, here's what this looks like. And if this seems weird to you, it's only because you've not seen it. Mm -hmm. So here's what this is. Inevitably, I always have people who maybe they don't read the caption or, or I don't know, but they leave comments like, oh, sweetie, it's going to be okay. Just keep going. Like it gets better. I promise. And like. Mm -hmm. I know that their intention is very sweet and kind, but that feels like they're trying to hold space for me a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, if they don't read the caption and see that, like, not only am I okay, but I do have people in my real life who like can hold space for me. And, you know, I have you and I have David and I have other like real life people, So I don't need their sympathy. I don't need their empathy. I don't need them to hold space for me, but I find that they do it anyway. Yeah. And so the way that I try to like 
look at it. And sometimes if I have the time and I have the bandwidth, I will do this, but obviously I don't have the time to respond to every single person who comments on my stuff is I try to say like, could you see the part of yourself that feels touched by this with as much empathy and sympathy and compassion as you're giving me? Mm-hmm. because that's ultimately the part of you that you need to give this to. Like, yeah. I appreciate your kind words. That's very sweet, but that doesn't really do anything for me because I already know that I'm held in these other yeah. relationships that I have. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? So I think that this is where like nuance is so, so important, right? So knowing you in our like, off mic lives. (laughs) I typically know what's going on when you're filming those moments of dysregulation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you're not sharing the thing you're dysregulated about. Right. Like you tend to be like, this is what dysregulation looks like. I'm modeling what dysregulation looks like. This is healthy behavior, but you're not coming on Instagram and being like, this, this, and this is happening in my life. And like, let me just sort of like explode all of my feelings all over you. Right. Right. Like that's what our off mic relationship is for. That's what your husband is for. That's what your, you know, besties are for. And like, and so I think that when people, because it is unusual and because we do need more modeling around this, it makes people feel uncomfortable to see people who are grieving, to see people who are angry, who are moving through these emotions in a somatic and expressed way that I think what you were saying is totally correct in that, you know, if you don't have the context for the fact that like I actually have support and this is me giving myself my own support yeah then they look at that that snippet of your life and they're like oh honey and it's really their trauma yeah right of being unable to hold whatever emotion it is whether it's anger or sadness it's their trauma coming up and butting up against this picture of what they think you are mm-hmm And so, you know, like I said earlier, like my intention is not to ask people to hold space for me, but there are going to be people who see that and insert themselves into that space. And, and you get to decide what to do with that. You know, like, I think that what you, how you responded is a really beautiful way to respond because it, it again is asking somebody and not in like a, you know, coaching way, but like in a, like, hey, redirecting that energy back towards yourself would actually be the thing to do in this moment. Yeah. Um, and and to me, like, this is where it's so, so important to be so solid within your own nervous system, within your own intentions. And again, like, that is a muscle that grows, right? Like you were totally. saying, two years ago, you would not have been able to do that. Um and I'm similar too. Like I've started putting out videos of like me shaking Yeah, is like one of my, like, dude, I shake like two or three times a week, <laughs> you know, and it looks weird to people, you know, yeah. and I remember like the first couple of times I would start shaking, I was like, like, this is awkward and this is weird. Yeah. Um, 
And, and now it's just a regular practice. And so I'm in regulation about the practice. I'm in regulation about the emotions that I'm feeling. I may not be in regulation about the thing that is, you know, requiring me to shake, but that's what my people are for. Right. I'm in regulation about how I share it on Instagram. And so it's like at every point, what it is that you're sharing is still intentional. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's really important to like, sort of put out there in the world of like online coaching because it's what I see sometimes is let me show you my vulnerability and there's a transactional element to it of like oh see look at how vulnerable I am don't you want to take my course Mm. you know and like that feels like yeah, like capitalizing off your own vulnerability. Yeah, like there's like a roiling in my tummy and it just makes me feel kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, okay, so we've mentioned the word BAM multiple <laughs> times throughout this. So I just want to make sure people know that we're not talking about like BAM BAM from the Flintstones. We're talking about your group coaching program, Business Alchemist yeah. Membership. Mentorship uh, mentorship, not membership. I'm sorry. And in business alchemist mentorship, you discuss business as a spiritual practice, having a reciprocal relationship with your business, the seasons and cycles of business, conscious marketing, all of that. Yeah. Um, anything else that I missed that you talked about in there? Oh gosh. Um, let me think about this. I mean, you're basically a relationship coach for people in their businesses. Yes. And so we go from like clarifying what your values are, clarifying what your own ethics are, what it is that you talk about, what your niching is, um, like going out and doing relational research on your people, understanding how to organize that relational research. Uh, I have lots of really beautiful teachers. You're one of them um, coming in and teaching about their various like in you know, works. And so I've got an HR consultant. She talks about hiring your first person or employee or contractor. Uh, I have an attorney who provides um, templates for client contracts. I have, you know, um, a bookkeeper who will do live Q&A calls. Like it is a jam packed. I like, I literally, when I say that this is the thing I wish I had when I first started my business, it's like, I have loaded it with everything, including like my wisdom, but also including the wisdom of like all of my friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a nine month program, right? Yeah. It is a nine month program. Um, it is, uh, video curriculum, paired with group coaching calls and you go through in a small cohort. This is the last time I'm going to do it as a small cohort. Um, my business is asking me to let go of the reins so it can canter a little bit. Mm. Um, so we're going to be making some shifts in 2024, but in 2023 at the, at the time of this recording, we're still going to be doing it as a small cohort of less than eight people in your team. And, and then you also get one-on-one calls with me. So, and do people who go through the cohorts together, since it is such a small intimate group, do they end up like connecting with each other outside of BAM and like forming friendships and stuff? Yeah. And so it's not even just within the cohorts, 
it's like there's cross-pollination across teams because we have this big Slack channel. We all hang out in there. We ask each other for, you know, people ask questions and network with each other. So, you know, I have several folks who have met up in real life and like are now friends. Um, I have one gal, Emelina, who lives in San Francisco and she went up to Portland and got her hair cut by holistic hair healer, Jennifer Ross. And so like, they all kind of like, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely little family. Like that's where I think community lives. Right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so you're not just getting like, you are getting this community in terms of like, all of you are going through the same experience together. And of course you create like bonding relationships around that. But then it also sounds like you're, you're also getting new customers and clients because yeah. of the people or you networking go networking opportunities, right. Networking opportunities, speaking yeah. opportunities, teaching opportunities. Um, and so it sounds really reciprocal. It like, it's not only teaching you this reciprocity with your business, but then like you get to build these reciprocal relationships going through it with these other people. And that sounds yeah. really special. Yeah. And it's like, um, just sort of speaking of Jennifer Ross, who's the holistic hair healer, like she framed it as like the circle of reciprocity because I am now like working with her to work on some of my hair issues. You know, I have brought in a lot of BAM members to teach within BAM as well, because like, you know, the thing is that the folks who find BAM have beautiful medicine already. Like I'm not a practitioner training program. Mm -hmm. I think that going through BAM makes you a better practitioner because you're working on a lot of the things that like hold you back. But I do not actively teach you how to do inner child work or right. how to work with your archetypes, how to work with your parts. Um, and, um, and so I get these amazing gems of humans in BAM. And so then I get to sort of be like, oh, like your thing actually works really well within the program. Like, will you come teach a workshop, you yeah. know, and, and I've seen really beautiful collaborative uh, relationships form and yeah, it's, it's just a, it's just a fun place. Hmm. It sounds super fun. Yeah. So it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. How can people who are listening to this episode who are entrepreneurs and their business is a spiritual practice and they need that container of guidance and support and that guided meditation to learn their Tao and all the amazing workshops that you have inside there. Like how can they find that and join? Yeah. So you can check out the, the information page, which is businessalchemistmentorship.com. And then you get to book a connection call with me and we hang out and chat about you and your business and see if there's a good fit to work together. Um, or you can go check me out on Instagram, cat.hosu.lee and, you know, sort of get a little sneak into what it is that I like to talk about. Yeah. And just in case people want to learn more from you kind of for free before they make that plunge. You also have a podcast. Can you tell people about your podcast? Yes. I'm so good at promoting myself. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, I'm a frequent guest on your podcast. So like, yeah. I feel like I'm promoting yeah. myself too. <laughs> yeah. So my podcast is called the rooted business podcast. And, 
yeah, I, lots of really wonderful guests. Lindsay is a frequent flyer on that on that podcast. Oh, can I just say the words on that podcast? <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun place to be. Awesome. Anything else you wanted to make sure you said before we hop off? No, just thank you. I'm yeah, really excited to to. I mean, I just like hanging out with you. And so it was a good excuse to hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I haven't even been through BAM, but I do have you as like a personal friend. We frequently text and chat with each other. You've helped me through some major life crises and just receiving your medicine in a friend sort of way is really powerful. So I Mm -hmm. want to like name that for people that, um, you know, want to have, or receive some of that medicine in the way that I have, like, it's really, really powerful and I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for you. Oh, thanks friend. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to include the the link to BAM and I'll link probably all of our podcasts on your and my podcast episode in the show notes. <laughs> There'll be like 10 podcasts linked, um, but we'll have all that in the show notes and show notes. I can't talk either. See, we've been going for so long. We've both lost the ability to speak. Um, but thank you so much, Kat, for coming on the show today. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.